So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. Hey guys, welcome back to Hosers. This is episode 92. I'm your host, Chris Killingsworth, and joining me as always, back from out in the wild, no pun intended, but definitely pun intended, Carter Lupel. Uh, did you run into any bears? I guess is maybe where we could start. How is how is your wilderness excursion? What's going on, Chris? Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, Shh, yeah, I'm actually still out here. Uh, it's really fucked up. Yeah, I'll have and and and. <laughs> That's what um, the call normally sounds like when we do it on Zoom. So yeah. all the same. How was uh, it though, man? It was it was great. It was um it was super warm, uh and super rainy. It rained all but like two nights. So I'm happy I had a, a very nice north face tent to keep me dry and out of the rain. Um, but it was great. Saw a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of cows. Um, cause a lot of this hike was like, like you you do like a a patch of a or like you you'd hike like a conservation area and then you'd have to walk through farmers fields to the next one. And so saw a lot of cows and that's basically the wildlife that I saw. Oh, okay. This, sorry. This no is totally off. No, no snakes actually. That's always my concern on these hikes that Carter goes on. He's going to come up against the Massasauga rattler. You know what I'm saying? So, I came out anyways. on Massasauga street. Like when we were like deep in the woods, there's like a Massasauga road. And I was like, Oh no. Not going on that one. <laughs> what were you going to say, Thomas? Um, you speaking about like going to farmer's field reminds me of this like YouTube series that I got recommended to me. It's basically this like English guy always wants to trek through countries in a straight line. So he like hikes the entire country, like Wales. I think he did Norway or Denmark or something, Scotland. Um, and he's basically like set out a geo thing of a straight line. And literally it's all just going through farmer's fields. So he's like trespassing the whole way. But he like huh. he sometimes gets caught and like gets shit and like has to like talk his way out of it. It's actually pretty entertaining, but it's pretty chill too. Uh, Carter, uh, did you come into anybody who was not happy about you uh, trespassing, or were people uh, pretty chill? No, they're like they're pretty understanding because there's like a so this it's this isn't like a just like a, a like a figure it out hike like they um there's an, a trail association and the houses and property that it like encroaches on they have to like agree to it like you'll you see along it like a few there's like reroutes for the trail because like people don't want hikers on their property anymore so you have to like what would have been like a 25 kilometer a day turned into like a 32 kilometer a day because you have to hike like seven kilometers around this enormous farmer's field to get back to the other side and so it was like you run into that like at least once a day someone someone pulls out of the trail association so as long as you kind of like follow the signs you're okay um but a lot of people like they're like oh where are you hiking to and i tell them like the destination and they're like like on bike <laughs> like no no like we haven't changed the subject like i'm still walking <laughs> like, that's funny but, yeah it, 
it's more just like people curious that that's the most interesting part of it all I've seen enough horror movies to know that you never tell people where you're going if you run into them in the woods. Just saying. Oh my god! Um, so these are things one, you got to consider. <laughs> we we popped out at this church, um, like uh, near Bedford. Uh, not going to say what church. Um, <laughs> we can allegedly. We can. But this yeah, pastor's wife was so sweet, but so creepy. She's like asking us where we're staying and everything like that like making sure we're going to get in fine that night but she passed this like three or four times like on our way to that hike because you have to walk roads into certain like into certain checkpoints and she'd be like yeah three more kilometers do you guys need water <laughs> hotel's only one more kilometer oh you guys are almost there congratulations and she just like kept looping back and i was like okay we might need to like because we we're staying in a motel that night and we're like we might need to actually change where we're staying so she like doesn't <laughs> oh my gosh find us she's like <laughs> don't forget to put on sunscreen because I'll, I'll be wearing your skin soon yeah. <laughs> exactly stalking your instagram yikes yeah i, I hate that <laughs> big fan um but i'm glad it, you're back my, man okay my yeah me better? too it is yeah, yeah you sound better you sound okay, better cool for yeah sure. it's nice to be back in civilization yeah, yeah indoors. good for you man indoors yeah uh thomas <laughs> mm-hmm. speaking of getting out into the wild um oh oh baby <laughs> What a transition. Speaking of being in the wilderness, <laughs> the we gotta talk about wilderness? a couple of things. Uh, yeah, yeah. The... so you someone listening to this might be listening to it on the hockey wilderness feed. Um, and that is something that was added last week. So we added our number 91 episode with Tony Ferrari uh to that feed because we figured we talked about the wild enough, and also like people are interested in general hockey stuff anyways they listen to whatever that and i i went to hq i went to sb nation hq on this <laughs> we flew there uh, we, we flew there we did a plane yeah uh, i did a whole speech and proposal and pitch about how hosers should be on hockeywilderness.com um so it is so it is on that feed now um that hasn't been used since ryan quigley a uh, great dude past editor of hw um used it back in december of 2019 when the wild kind of were not very fun um so this is even better so it's it's gonna be pretty chill like if you're listening to it on the normal feed it'll still be there so it'll be kind of double feed which can be confusing and kind of hard but if you literally just search hockey wilderness you'll also find hosers and the old hockey wilderness episodes in the same feed or you can just search hosers and then do the normal feed which most of you probably are listening to that so yeah, so it's totally chill. Um, that's pretty much up date. If you're listening to on the normal feed, you don't have to do anything. So yeah, yeah. So to summarize, if you already subscribe on all the other places, don't, that's don't. not changing. Yeah. And if you're new, welcome. Uh, you can find oh. us on hockeywilderness.com. And yeah, I mean it's exciting. I think like um, I've been writing there for a while. Thomas obviously is the managing editor uh carter uh is a tremendous writer who would not shock me if he ended up writing something here and there uh, at some point or another i should um, put the the goon blog on the it's yeah, like perfect carter, off-season content so it's so good carter wrote this thing and um, we we talked about uh and didn't really uh do much with uh, the idea of doing like a Substack type thing and carter wrote this like super yeah puck is excited too as you can tell 
but he wrote something that was really cool and really compelling about you know goons and and, and their usage in the game um so yeah thomas let's, guys let's i'm right i'm right up. here <laughs> okay so uh let's talk about some things that have uh, recently gone on in the league this past week thomas where do you want to get started um i guess we might as well just stick with the theme just briefly and talk about uh, Fiala resigning and re-upping for one more year and what kind of it uh, means. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, it makes sense to just go one year and kind of bet on yourself because you're going to remain a restricted free agent. So his salary can only go up, like literally unless he signs another deal that is longer term, which I don't see happening that it'll go down. But it also gives a wild another chance. It's kind of like a win-win situation that Absolutely. we'll have another chance to go long-term with them. And I think they want to, but they just were under such like concentration of getting Kaprasov resigned and like Erickson Eck resigned and all those guys that to worry about trying to get Fiala on a long-term deal that makes sense for the future uh, yeah. salary-wise was just too much. So it kind of just pushes it down the road you might end up paying a little bit more but uh he's a wonderful player so i've seen yeah. some hot takes about fiala and caprasov especially but um i think the caprasov situation makes it a little bit challenging where it's almost like they can't like if the intention was to re-sign fiala long term um and they're you know hyper focused on making the caprasov money work it is a little bit frustrating because from a cap perspective, um, it almost feels like if they were able to get a little bit of an understanding of where Kaprizov was going, they may have been able to sign Fiala to a longer term. Do you think there's any risk of things not going the way that they want them to on Fiala's side? I think we've been hyper-focused on what happens with Kaprizov, but do you foresee a situation where you know Fiala might say okay well if you guys can't commit to me long term i'm gonna go somewhere else is that something that I've, is on your radar a little bit i think he wants to stay in minnesota from everything that i'm reading and everything he's talking about and of course this is just from like an outside perspective but i think he wants to stay where he is currently and kind of established because he kind of sees a small young core um there and like the future like where else are you going to go where there's like a really big prospect pool of like potential and you're already gelled in within the team um right so it is a risk salary wise though because also the Parise and Suter buyouts go up to 12 million combined next season um, right. compared to four so that kind of shrinks everything down but you'll also have Kaprasov resigned and not have to worry about that anymore and next year I think is just like Jordan Greenway is up I think and like that's pretty much it. So the ELCs are going to be make it a lot easier with Rossi and Boldy and Addison already there. So I think it might shoot them like they might shoot themselves in the foot if Fiala just goes off and warrants like seven million. But he's also like yeah. they really tried to shortchange him. Like they tried to offer him like five years at like six mil, and like that's not the type of player he is. I think he's more towards the seven and seven and a half. But it might just be because he's seen as like the secondary right wing. But he scored yeah. he's scored 40 points in 50 games still. And that was on like yeah, right. and his most common line mates were Ryan Hartman, who's never played center in the NHL before, and he was doing it this year. And Marcus Johansson, right. who was terrible. So like 
those were his most common line mates and he still scored 20 goals. So yeah, it's going to go, it's going to go sour for the wild before it goes sour for Fiala. Like he's not going to devalue himself playing with a team on an upswing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I worry a little bit with things like that because obviously the dead cap space is a conversation um, for the wild going into this upcoming season. Although it's not hit as hard until next season, but I think these are things that um, you still have to be cognizant of. And I think, I think the whole fan base will be able to have this like humongous sigh of relief once Kaprizov is done and done could be one of two ways, right? Whether he stays or he goes, um, I am super optimistic that he stays as I'm sure a lot of people listening are, but um, you know, at the same time, do you think that Garen is preparing for a world where maybe it doesn't work out? Um. I don't think so from all the comments that he said, because he had a media availability after Fiala resigned. And he basically was like, I have no worry about like resigning Kaprasov at all. Like it's not my problem. It's like he didn't say it's not my problem, but he said the like KHL threat. He was basically like, That's another team I don't care about. Like I'm gonna try and still do the same process. And it sounds like they're finally from everything that also Michael Russo reported that they're finally going and trying to get to a four or five or six year deal instead of Minnesota wanting seven or eight years. And then Kaprizov wanting three, cause then I'll walk him straight right. to free agency. Exactly. Um, so if four, honestly, if it's five years, that is fine. Like that is completely right. fine for the type of player he is in, in his age too. Like he's still right. old enough that like five years takes him to 29. Like that's a normal year right. to hit unrestricted free agency. Like, Wow. You're getting all of his prime years. And so it doesn't really matter. And like, who knows what he'll, what type of player he'll be at that age. So like, yeah. 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 These are, these are all things that, you know, we got to consider. You hit on something a few minutes ago about, you know, them being able to lean on their ELCs. And I know something you wanted to talk about mm-hmm. uh, was talking a little bit about, you know, if a team can have too many rookies. And I think um, as we are in this kind of flat cap, situation right now for the next little while because of covid um i often think how many teams we're going to see with a lot of rookies on the team um just because of their cap situation minnesota is in a is in a position uh, in my view at least where they've got talented forwards that are are you know ready to make a difference like i think goldie's ready to go um, as mm-hmm. we saw a little bit last year um what are what are your kind of immediate impressions on that, Thomas? Just around what too many rookies look like, and um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. So I think compared to other teams around the league, the Wild will have a lot more potential rookies that are high end rookies. Like you could right. always have the the players that are at your bottom of your lineup that are rookies and making trying to make it just in the league that are like twenty three, twenty four. And you'll have a lot of that because they're cheap. But then at the same time, like Minnesota, you want to have those guys playing up your lineup. So is it like putting too much pressure on them to really rely on that development going the way that they want? Um, Like probably the most, it probably doesn't help because of where we are geographically, but the most recognizable situation that is kind of similar is Toronto with Nealander, Marner and Matthews. And with them, they kind of, especially with Nylander, they got a lot of, they gave him his NHL debut 
the season before in 2014-15. Right? No, 2015-16. And then Matthews just dropped. That's right. Um, Yeah, like they they gave him that and gave him that experience. Maybe that's Addison because he was able to play, I think, three games because of the COVID lockdown and stuff and them having no defensemen. So they had to get called up. But maybe that's him getting a little bit of experience. But at the same time, it's a lot to put on really talented guys like Rossi and Boldy at the same time. Um, That's just tricky. Like it's, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the lineup is going to be. And of course, like every team that goes into this situation wants to downplay it. Like we're going to give our guys all the chances. We're signing veterans to maybe do a stopgap just in case they're shit. Um, Right. But I, I don't see like them not making the team after camp, honestly. Like, but yeah, we'll I mean, Carter, you probably played on lots of teams growing up um, that had a lot of rookies. Like, what are what are your kind of what, what's your kind of viewpoint on that? Um, do you think uh, that they can have success immediately? What are your thoughts? I I think so. I think it's a completely like I think it's the nature of how the sport is now more than a cap thing and more than a contract thing and more than a business thing to be completely honest. Um, Cause even when I played hockey, like it was, it was a veterans team and that was only like 10 years ago. Right. And yeah, if you look at like the NHL and how it's grown and it's like investment and development in like growing the youth, right. Like it's, it's a, like people don't like have a good, like, midget season anymore or like juvenile season then go on and play tier two hockey and then crack the nhl anymore you know what i mean like that's unheard of like kids are starting to like you know they're like nhl ready by the time they're 10 right like the level of investment that people have in them so like these i think it's the nature of like how people are training and the business of starting young is happening right and so i don't think it's I don't think the NHL is like any more like an, an older guy's game or like a bruiser's game. It's a, it's a game that's for these young, like hyper-focused, hyper-developed like players that have been in the system their entire lives. Like they have, they have schools and they have camps and they have everything that they've been going to since they've had skates on. Right. And so um, I think it's absolutely a young person's game. Um, And like, yeah, I, I had a point and I lost it. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's no, it's the, the, yeah, fuck, I lost my point. Sorry about that, guys. But it's, <laughs> Sorry. But it's you, you'll see a lot of younger guys cracking the bubble so fast because like you have to be, that was my point. We always talk about you have to be so good to even be bad at hockey. Like, yes, <laughs> anybody who has eyes on them is so much better than like any other hockey player around them like right if that makes sense like if if your name's being talked about like you're so good and so ready all you really need is like a fine tuning or you need to put a stronger bolt in a place where there's a weak bolt or like something like that like you're you have to be so good at such a young age and so fast to even be considered and so i think like the pool is so big of these young, like hyper talented athletes. Like, I think it's, you're going to see the game get progressively younger, even now, like as the years go by. Right. Well, even well yeah. Like, and it used to, sorry, go ahead, Thomas. Well, I was just going to say like, it's really, 
more specific to Rossi too. Like he was heralded as the most NHL ready prospect, like other than Lafreniere, like mm-hmm. at, on his draft day. Like it was just the way that he's built, and he's still five foot nine, and he might have grown by then, by now. But like he is built like a truck. Like it's it's those guys that like are under training since they're like twelve that you were talking yeah. about that they're like doing strength training and stuff that hasn't been done like in a decade. So there it's yeah. like, it's stuff that's they're doing now is that creating more of these young talented players that every year in the draft, you're kind of finding these like gems that are just suddenly like a cult, even a year, even like this draft, they're still talented players. Like it's not on a yeah. down year or whatever, but that yeah. are just ready that, that they could just play it now. And like, and you're even oh, finding teams. Like- yeah. Go ahead. No, like I, I was just gonna like as soon as you start to see like the Thorntons and the like um uh Felinos and and even the Crosbys and the Ovechkins and guys like that kind of that have like ties to the old NHL, like pre pre like well, I guess Ovechkin was they were the 04 lockout, right? Mm-hmm. Um so like any guys that have ties to like that lockout, I, I feel like as soon as we see them like naturally um age out of the game the game's just gonna like you said be passed out like the torch is gonna be passed to these guys who are ready to hop in like not yeah. even just because of a hab i'm a habs fan but if you look at guys like cole caulfield like he's he's a little mouse and he came in and he made waves you know what i mean and that's unheard of as someone who like grew up watching hockey that was like a tough guy like fridge on skate sports right mm-hmm well, even like yeah, any everything. It's... Sorry, Chris. No, no, no. Go ahead, buddy. Um, well, I was just gonna I do say a lot of talking. It's all you. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, even down to the minors and like college and everything, like everyone's just so much better that you need certain skills to make it in the NHL. And like Caulfield obviously has a shot and like agility and stuff, so he could just get by on that. Where it's like okay. it's where you run into problems is like when everything isn't kind of tuned up to that level. Like you oh, for sure. don't have that NHL vision, but like those attributes are getting into younger and younger talent. Like you're finding yeah. that players that could just step in because even if they have like a lackluster skating mobility or something like yeah. is not right with like their stick handling, they're just like, can't handle the puck at the high speed, but yeah. they have like a great shot or they just know where everyone is because they've been playing and, hockey all their fucking life. But yeah. Yeah. And I'm not discrediting experience. Like you saw coffee yeah. fold against the lightning because yeah. it was like, he, they, he didn't, he didn't have the experience to play against literally playing against an all-star lineup. So yeah, like... he, he, and so like, I'm not discrediting dispirit, like discrediting experience or time in the league. That's obviously like, it's, you need it like to fine tune those skills. Right. And to, like develop the hockey, you're a hockey IQ and your hockey like reactivity at that pace. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of these guys are, and that was my point about like just replacing one cog in the wheel. Like as soon as you like replace it with a stronger piece, they're, they're ready to go. Right. And then all that will really like prove them right or wrong is time in the game, you know, at on yeah. that stage. Well, and I think that we're, well, there, there's a couple things there. So for me, we're going to see players that have hit a thousand games in the league by the time they're like 30 years old. Yeah. Like that's going to be a thing, right? Because we're seeing players come into the league earlier now 
So we're going to have a handful of guys playing at 18, 19, 20 years old. And a thousand games used to be like this thing that only grizzled vets would get. And that's largely because they were entering the league like in their mid twenties rather than, you know, like early twenties. Right. So yeah, I think play that four that years at college, thing. then they would play in right. the, the ECHL or the they'd all, Exactly. They'd all play their OA years in, in, in major junior or whatever that looks like. So, so that's one part of it. The other side is, and I think this is kind of the part that I'm excited about is that, you know, we see some role players now, but I bet in the next five years, like to your point, Carter, with some of like the old guard being phased out. And I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way, but no, no, like eventually, just age out. yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. Like there's, you know, no more Patrick Marlowe's, no more Joe Thornton's, no more Sidney Crosby's or Ovechkin's. Um, and that will be a sad day when that happens. But what I think that that will allow for is a, a speedier game. Obviously it's not going to be as much holding and checking as much as we've seen. And even now, like, you know, you watch highlights from five years ago to today, the game is drastically different, right? Yeah. What I'm excited about is you are going to have uh, almost like a, a correction um, of role guys playing, right? Because there's going to be this entire uh, kind of crop of kids who know the speed and skill game that we're going to have this overcorrection of guys that are playing a bit of a, of a more rough and tumble game joining the league as well, right? So I don't think that it's going to become this sport where like those players are kind of cast aside. I think, and, and we've seen this in the last couple of drafts um, where we are going to see size being drafted a little bit more again, we are going to see kind of that kind of toughness, um, you know, the, the, the checking ability and all of these different things, because when all of those older guys who played that style of game are phased out, it's not like that component of the game isn't going to exist. Right. So they're yeah. going to need something. I mean, if we look at the wild, I look at like a Jordan Greenway or a Marcus Foligno guys that can kind of play on the edge a little bit. Um, it's, it's not like there's not going to be a reason for those guys to play in the league. Um, so we're going to see like a new crop of those kids coming up. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll, you know, that video, those like Russian kids fighting in the, uh, in the dressing room. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, where they're like learning how to fight. They're all coming over. That's where Kaprizov is right now. He's training them. He's training kids, which is and, and which yeah, he's only, training kids to fight. The only difference yeah. is it's it's going to be at like such like a like a hyper level that this tough guy game is going to be at because you can see like when Thornton's on the ice or when Stahl's on the ice or when some of the or Marlowe's on the ice they slow the game down, right? Like they slow the game down to their pace. And it's so evident when they're in control of the puck that the speed like is dialed from a 10 to an eight, you know? And yeah. that's just because they don't have the feet that they used to have. Um, so I, I completely agree that that's not going anywhere. That bruiser game that like, like you saw, even with Perry, people talking about like his, <laughs> his shitty, like behind the, behind the ref antics and stuff like that. Like, that's never going to go away in hockey. Like there's going to, no. and so, but it's just going to be at such a fast, like it's going to be, the NHL is going to start, like it's obviously one of the hardest stages to crack in the world, but it's going to become even harder once you start to like phase out the slower or like the, the not as like current components of the game. Right. Like it's just going to be right. such an intense, intense, like speed and like, 
it's just an intense game like in all aspects of it right yeah i just Absolutely. i think a lot of this could be our last point on it or something we can move on but um i just think it'll be a lot more targeting young players that ha- kind of have both like you'll see the kachucks that are having like that like rat mentality of like just pissing everyone off but then also being able to score 30 goals or score 25 or whatever um that will be able to just have everything kind of underlining that like like Bre- a brendan gallagher like on the halves yeah. or like someone that just has that like ability to piss people off but then just like can still score a lot of goals like it even you saw it this past like draft with tyler boucher getting drafted like way higher than um yeah. everyone projected but like well and and like i know that that was considered a bad pick and like but he could still uh, score okay. like he's still right like but that's, yeah, that's what i mean it's it's not that he's a bad pick and i mean if you're drafting solely on on talent and projectability i get where people were kind of you know not like not super tied down to that particular pick and and you know wish that there was something else that could have been done but like at the same time like you don't necessarily know what a team values in that way right and like i'm not trying to sound like a dinosaur with this opinion but these types of things are important to teams right like i can i can tell you that having a guy that is willing to get mixed up into things and still has talent is a complete asset. And Carter, I know you'll agree with me. Like we've coached kids together where we've asked for a little bit more of that because the presence of, of that type of player on the ice is super important as is scoring goals. And if they can do both, then, you know, that's tremendous. But at the same time, like you need a presence like that. You see, yeah. uh, you know, and Tony kind of made a really great point about it last week. And I, I agree with him that, you know, these aren't necessarily players that you need to draft. These are players that can be picked up in free agency. Like, yeah. you know, you've, you've got your meat that you can kind of draft or not draft, pardon me, pick up uh, in free agency. But like, from my perspective, um, you know, you need at least one or two guys on a team that can mix it up like that uh, and can back it up with, uh, offensive output or, 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 you know, maybe, maybe they're a defenseman that's, you know, kind of your more prototypical defensive defenseman, stay at home defenseman that, that can mix it up when he needs to. Um, but these guys are valued on their team. They're valued in the room. What do you think, Carter? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, um, and just to like kind of piggyback off of that, you don't know, like drafting is always a gamble, you know, like you, like think of all the first round picks that have never even cracked the NHL, you know? Um, but you absolutely value like somebody who can mix it up and who's coachable and who is, um, who can like, like, and to Thomas's point as well, like bring all aspects of the game. Right. So I like, there's never lost value in somebody that is well-rounded and is, is coachable and, um, like is maybe not the the most projected out there like I maybe that's because that was like I always valued like work ethic and coachability over um over all stars and so maybe I'm a I'm a bit of a bleeding heart for those players but I'll, I'll take a, a team full of Rudy's every day over 
over like a team full of shooters. You know what I mean? And I think we see that like as well with, I always talk about how I think Trotz is just a genius with what he's done with, um, with the Islanders um, and just making, making a, a successful cohesive unit out of, um, out of not misfits, but like people who they didn't think would gel well together. Right. So um, I completely agree that there's lots of value, like in the kind of the underdog and, and the coachable, you know? Absolutely. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, I wanted to get your guys perspective on um, all of the, uh, <laughs> the, seeming frustration on hockey Twitter around Owen Power's decision to go back to Michigan next year. Um, I don't remember who it was that said it. So, you know, shame on me for this, but people talking about how this is like an embarrassing look for Buffalo uh, and, you know, how they oh, should have yeah. done everything they can to make the first overall pick play in the league. Um, I have some opinions, but I'd like to hear, your guys' opinions first. Maybe we could start with Thomas. Um, do you think this fake outreach is is warranted, or like, what are what are your thoughts? Well, it? it's people that have like brain worms that can't think of a critical thought um, <laughs> or like is, problem solve is. for themselves. <laughs> like, holy shit! Um, like, do you do you want to put your own rookie, your first overall pick, in that same situation? Like, I I get it with Darlene because he was projected to be better than he is, and he's kind of bad um and maybe honestly that one extra year in sweden would have done him good but like you had eichel you had reinhardt you had all these pieces that kind of like oh might as well just add a really high-end prospect in this because we want to make the playoffs um yeah buffalo isn't there anymore because they're selling everyone off so it's going to be literally like fucking cody eakin or some shit uh playing their first line so like, do you want to have that like owen power like experience that locker room do you want to have them in Buffalo just having that first impression of being in the NHL. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't if I was running a team. So, like, so that extra year in Michigan playing with Maddie Beniers and uh, Ken Johnson can only do him good, like, being in a really good, positive environment that they're going to win a lot of fucking hockey games. So, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's... they're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, you might as well have fun with it and, like, keep him there while, like, you're developing more young talent. So like, there's no, like, it's not embarrassing for Buffalo at all. Like it's every single like mainstream scouting person was saying, this is a down year. There's no real like top end, top end talent that like, we just hear that Owen power is going to go first, but like, honestly, there could be five other guys. Um, so like, and then they go back in and saying like, Oh, it's embarrassing for Buffalo. Like it's not at all. Like, it's just, you you do it case by case and there might be i there might be some guys from the draft that just crack the lineup just because like a william yeah. like i don't i don't even know what's possible but like yeah it's it's not embarrassing at all i just don't think it is i just i i think the whole thing to me is like absolutely like <laughs> you said brain worms i was like i couldn't articulate it but that's how i feel yeah like I think it is so short-sighted for people to be upset about him going back where to your point, he goes and plays in Buffalo. He plays probably what second pairing, I would guess like on the left side there behind <laughs> Darlene. 
Um, he's yes. probably sheltered like crazy because the team is going to be so fucking bad next year. Um, and I'm just, I'm just looking at uh, the Michigan Wolverines, like their hockey program for next year. Um, so, okay. So we've got Owen power. We've also got a defenseman. You may have heard of Luke Hughes on the back end of, of that team oh, yeah. uh, forwards. You've got first round pick for the Bruins a couple years ago, John Beecher, Maddie Beneers, Thomas Bordalo, Brendan Brisson, Dylan Duke, Kent Johnson. Um, you've got oh, uh, Mackie Samuskevich. You've got Michael Pastajov, um, the, the older brother of, of uh, Anaheim's draft pick, uh, or who's going to Guelph. That's for another time. Um, but like, you could literally go and ex- and he said like from the beginning that like, he didn't get a fair or not a fair was probably not the word he used, but like he didn't get the college experience. Right. And despite the fact that he's going to be in the NHL for a long time, the craziness of these people in their basement writing out like that, that he needs to go and play in Buffalo and get his feet wet. And it's, and it's um, embarrassing to the league and to the, to, to the Sabres is asinine. Like it is absolutely insane that he would have the opportunity to experience college, be the contender to be a national champion. Like on paper, that is the best team in the NCAA next year by a lot. Um, And he gets the opportunity to play with other first round picks. Almost every single person I just listed there are first round picks. So you have people that are in similar situations. Some of them are going to go play in Vegas. Some of them are going to play in Seattle, so on and so forth. But here he gets to, you know, kind of show people what he's capable of. And to your point, Thomas, about it, you know, not being necessarily this like glamorous draft class. Well, maybe the people who had been down on powers are actually able to see him play, you know, in a program where he's expected to have this, you know, tremendous amount of success. They're able to see what scouts obviously saw. Um, and he's he's kind of insulated in this kind of talent pool rather than go play in Buffalo. And we've got like Jim Smith sitting at, you know, some steakhouse in Buffalo going, this guy's a fucking bust. I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, this is fucking brutal. You know what I mean? Trade Jack Eichel, you know, all this other stuff, right? So <laughs> the Eichel stuff we haven't even talked about really on the podcast a whole lot. But that's the other thing. Like, do you really want this like exciting moment to be overshadowed by whether or not Jack Eichel is or isn't in Buffalo? What do you think, Carter? I I completely agree with both of you guys. Um, like, could you disagree just for like the civil discourse? <laughs> no, like the, no one in their right mind could disagree with playing alongside those players in the NCAA to win a national championship. Like. My, my dad talks about it all. Like my dad played division one down in the States and he talks about like, cause Clarkson's won it before. And he talks about how, like how amazing, like of a, of a thing that is, you know what I mean? And like, so personally, like I'm looking at it from his standpoint, he gets to grease his wheels down in Michigan for a bit longer. And he gets to your point, Chris, more development uh, and a national championship. And he gets to, I think he gets to come out of the, the gun a little hotter than he would have had he played in Buffalo this year because yeah. he's riding off of a season with his buddies, uh, with tremendous hockey players in a very difficult league with, knock on wood, a championship. Like, he's just going to be – he's going to be light years ahead of 
how he was picked this year. Like his game's going to be infinitely better coming out of this season um, with further development down there. Um, and yeah, like, why would you want to go, like, why would you want to go play in a swamp? <laughs> like when there's nothing good in the water, you know, like, it's, also, yeah, like he's, he's <laughs> Buffalo gonna, he, being physically and metaphorically a swamp. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Right. Exactly. Like, why would you want to go to Buffalo when there's all of this, like, all these tumultuous relationships between the players and the organization when there's nobody to play alongside that's going to really help you whatsoever and all it's going to do is make him want to leave buffalo the moment he gets there and absolutely and he's absolutely. just yeah. he's going to he's going to want to force himself out of there and he's going to be he's going to kind of fizzle away in the league because he's he'd start in the league with a sour taste in his mouth learning yeah. a bad system like i i hate to say it but he's going to be learning bad hockey going into buffalo um and well, granted, it's a, not a, terrible but well no, I, I, but yeah I don't there's think, no one else I, to fucking play with i, 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 I don't yeah, think Granado no it, no i'm him. talking about the buffalo system like itself like they're just like the organization like the, yeah, yeah the organization and the defensive coaching is not a conducive unit for like breeding great defensemen <laughs> like well, as part of a team, so I, yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I just, this. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, like they've had these missteps with defensemen so many times, oh and God, every yeah. single time this happens, it paints like this this target on the player's back, right? Like remember when Ristolainen started playing in the league, and there was like a lot of excitement about this big defenseman that could do yeah. all of these great things. And Thomas, I know you're not terribly high on him and, and that's fine. But if, do you not think that if he played in any other system, like let's say that he played for Philly first instead of Buffalo, do you not think that that player is a tremendously better player for the development path and the uh, look, way that look, they were used? Look at, look at Darlene, like the, yeah. like he turned, like he turned off his offensive defenseman switch as soon as he went to Buffalo. And now right. Like it's, and it's coming back a little bit with Granado, but I, you know, you, you're making complete sense, Carter. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah so I, I, yeah. I, I think it's ridiculous. I don't see how anybody, and this just goes to my point. Like these keyboard warriors don't fucking watch hockey because, like, how do you, how do you watch the game and watch? You don't even have to watch hockey to understand. Like, no, but the that's whole what. It, like, how, how do you watch one Sabers game? Yeah. Look at what's going on in Buffalo, and then even just look at their track record for the past five maybe even 10 years like they like how do you how do you like say that it's not a good thing for him to go down and play with his buddies in one of the best teams and best leagues in the world like it's insane yeah. Yeah. well it's even like it's, it's not to make like make a heartless like take the like personality or personal like attributes out of it but it's also a benefit for the savers because they get another year of his elc yeah, like right and then also they're going to be bad at the end of it. Like, it's... yeah. And they're, they're going to be bad. And then, so they're going to get Shane Wright or Brad Lambert or something out of the end of the year. And Shane Wright can yeah. play in the league next year. So like, why not? And this ties into literally what we were talking about, about high end rookies playing together, but it's like, why not have power and right at coming in at the same time? Like if you yeah, get but you Shane also, Wright. In, in power's case, different. Um, and, and I might be wrong on this, but I'm like 99% sure I'm right is that he could play in Rochester if he really wanted to, right? Like, he could play yeah. in the AHL because he didn't play major junior and played uh, with Chicago Steel 
before going to Michigan. But like, yeah. even then, sometimes that's the path, right? Like, if you look at like, um, you know, Matthew Boldy, for example, like, do you think it, it you know, that, that, that it was a, a poor decision for him to play in Iowa prior to playing for Minnesota? Sometimes no, you need no. that, regardless of how skilled you are. Um, and but I think, too, yeah. like, it's so easy to look at it, like, kind of in a vacuum and be like, hey, 18 years old, they're going to figure themselves out. I don't know about you guys, but when I was 18 years old, I, like, I went back to, I went back to high school to upgrade a couple of, uh, of courses uh, when I had graduated, because I knew I wasn't mature enough for university yet, right? Like, I know that that's a different situation, but, like, we're, we're talking about maturity and what people can and can't handle in terms of bandwidth. Like, I don't know. I just, I think and this that, is that's like what I was talking about. the right thing. Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about with the rookies and like, like experience isn't a lost thing on young players. Like they need it. Right. Like, absolutely. You what you saw it with Nylander, like he, he cut his teeth in like with the Marlies and now he's, he's like an immovable piece in Toronto right now. And like, it's right. Like you see it all the time over the NHL um, I, that yeah. they, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I think he needs to stay. He made the right decision. He needs to stay where he's at. And a year, like in hindsight, is a long time for how quickly business moves in the NHL, right? Like he could be coming back or he could be coming into a significantly different organization next season, not this coming season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, it's that, a lot of, well, that's it. That's it. My last, my last point on it, Thomas, and then um, I'll shut up because I know you want to say something, is like <laughs> we've seen this happen twice where it was nothing but a benefit to the player. Kale McCarr staying at UMass yeah. and uh, another Wolverine in, uh, in Quinn Hughes doing the same thing, right? Where they signed their ELC at the end of their first year. I think McCarr maybe played two years. I'm trying to remember now. Um, uh, but it was the right decision. And look at the players that they were when they first came into the league. They were ready to get going. And I just think like you can't make that that gamble with your Buffalo, knowing the kind of confidence that could be built in the next year, year and a half with him at Michigan. Sorry, Thomas, go ahead, buddy. No, it's okay. Um, now I kind of forget one point. And uh, playing for Mel Pearson yeah. as well, like, like yeah. and playing against like the Jerry Yorks of the world and everything like that. Like you're, you're playing with these long-standing, successful, good, hard-ass coaches. Like it's, yeah. Like if he decided to go into the OHL or something, you'd be like, Oh, well, I don't know why you do that, but um, like, it'd be kind of different. I feel like, but college is like so close to like, you see so many college players just coming to the NHL red hot. So it just makes sense. Um, yeah. And I, I agree. like, and even like before, like, I think the whole thing about him, like he could have gone to Rochester. It would have started as ELC because college players, um, they they don't have slides unless they come out of the CHL. Right. But then also that's true. There'd be more eyes on him too. Like he, they'd be like players, like there'd be like reporters, or whatever, Sabres reporters going making the trip to Rochester to watch him play and being like, oh, well, this guy is so good. Why isn't he up there with a lineup and talking to him and stuff? Like this way, Michigan is talking like, about are we talking about Owen Power or are we talking about Casey Middlestack? Because I've never seen <laughs> buffalo reporters ever do that to a player so interesting oh my god yeah that's another part of that they fucking ruined um but uh yeah it's just like in and now he's in his own little bubble like in michigan like he's tied up for the year they can't like call him up or anything they can't move him yeah. he's gonna be there he's playing great hockey so like it's just just be patient it makes total sense for like both sides like it's just perfect 
Yeah. Yep. Cool. Thomas. Yeah. What do you want? What was the last thing that you want to talk about here before? Yeah, we wrap I got up? about. I got about like ten minutes. Sorry about okay. that, boys. Okay. Let's talk about Lundqvist retiring. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it makes it makes sense with like the like the health issues and with everything like that. Like it's like you might as well go out on it. Like when you when you're such a respected name, go out on a on a good note like that. And I, I think everyone not happy to see him go, but like proud the way he left. You know what I mean? Like he's nothing mm-hmm. but respect with how he stepped down. Um, but I, I was chatting with Thomas like a little bit while you're putting puck upstairs, Chris. I'm not sure if you heard, but it just like it put it put into perspective again. Like I like I always like think it's because the hardest trophy to win, like the Stanley Cup. But like Lundqvist never won a Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? And like Luongo never mm-hmm. won a Stanley Cup. And then it fired me up with all these all the people that were talking about the president's trophy is the tro- the real trophy to win the cup isn't the trophy to win and you think about guys like Lundqvist who like dedicated their entire life to the game and never won that cup and you like it's it's almost it, it's like sad in a bit that that's that's what people talk about and that's where my mind went immediately because you should be celebrating his successes like on the international stage with Sweden like what he did for the city of New York and the and like the T like the Rangers and like what he was as a as a very like successful and and talented goalie right so it's it was, I was just like blown like uh, blown away that my mind went to like oh but he never had a cup and I was like it's yeah it is the, the hardest thing to win in almost any sport you know what i mean it's like it's crazy yeah, that people can agreed. go their whole lives in the game and never hoist the cup right well i think like the other side of it for me is that um and i have a feeling thomas and i might disagree on this so i'm, I'm interested to hear oh, what no. his perspective is <laughs> but like uh i almost feel like the year what was it 2012 i want to say when they were in the cup final against the kings LA, yeah. that yeah. he could have um i think he should have left the rangers when he had the opportunity to in the sense hmm. that like i think it's so incredible that he had this legacy with the rangers and like his numbers already being retired all, a bunch of numbers are being retired next season. I saw Sergei Zubov is getting retired and yeah. Willie O'Ree, which of course makes perfect sense. But I see that his number is getting retired. And like, I just, you know, what a lot of people don't remember is like some of those New York teams were fucking bad. They were not good. And part of the only reason that they were able to do what they were able to do is because of Lundqvist, right? So yeah. where I get kind of like, you know, in my feelings about it a little bit is that there was remember there was a rumor i want to say it was shortly after that 2012 uh cup run where he had the opportunity to go play in dallas i want to say oh, it yeah, was yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's and a rumor trade like around rumor. the time yeah i remember around the time sagan got there if memory serves correct mm-hmm. that there was the opportunity for him and, and to go and do that and where i like love the loyalty of some of these players and like i'm sure this is going to make some new york fans uh, upset with me but whatever wouldn't be the first time um there there's this like thought that i have where teams in these types of situations should really work to make these trades happen right 
in the sense yeah. that like if he was their saving grace and like even most recently when they had Georgiev and uh and Shosturkin I don't know if he'd come to North America yet but there was this like three goalie thing that they had yeah. going on like he should have been out of the equation before Shosturkin even got here so yeah. that that wouldn't happen because I mean, obviously we didn't know that he was going to have these heart problems. And like at the end of the day, life is so much more important than hockey and the ability to like live your life after the game is super important. But I also wonder like, did the Rangers just like squander his ability to be successful because their teams were so bad. And like, I know, you know, to Carter's point, like there's going to be a lot of players that haven't won the cup, right? As, as we, you know, went from having six teams to having 32 teams, it makes it a lot harder for people to win the Stanley Cup. And yeah. I think that, you know, we're going to continue to see the likes of, you know, Luongo and, and now uh, Lundqvist and Pecorine, you know, I, I know I'm speaking specifically on goalies here for a second, but like this isn't going anywhere. Um, and I just, like, I wonder what would have been if the opportunity for him okay. to go and play and Carey Price was and there. like, like <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna go there. No, but I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs> but it's yeah, like it's but it, it it's there's like two sides to the story, right? Like I I completely agree. Like when they're hot, they're hot, and you like, do you want to give these guys who've given you so much a chance at that cup? But some of these guys, like I feel like Lundqvist was one of those guys. Like he, like he was like, remember the like the King of New York photo that he had like a few years back and everything like he was he loved the organization like he loved living in new york and like i i feel like if if he was given the opportunity to be like a cup contender he'd still stay in new york like i think he just he seems like i don't think he would have i don't think he would have it's it's hard truly no it's hard to say like like, of what he's thinking though like you can't say like i feel no like they probably had they've definitely had discussion with him Oh, absolutely. Maybe around 2018 when they remember when they sent that letter that basically like, oh, we're rebuilding kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah. that was summer of 2018, I think. I want to say. Yeah. Um, oh no, February, sorry. So just before the trade deadline. Yeah. So it was in the middle of the season and they sent out that letter that they're rebuilding. It's like they probably had discussion around that with him. Like, do you want to still be here? Um or do you want to go yeah. to a contender. Like at that at that time, he still had three years remaining on his contract. So like and he was still playing pretty damn good hockey. Like, I think 27-18 had a 9-15 save percentage. 2.98, yeah, like, right. goals against. Like, and the Rangers weren't a good team. So, it's like, do you want to be here? Or do you want to, like, we could figure out a trade for you that you approve, kind of. I don't know if he had a no-move clause. But, like, a legend like that, you should be in discussion with, like, yeah, to, like, w- where yeah, your trade's like, going. So. You, you, don't, you don't know what they're thinking. And I, I think this is, like, kind of to our point earlier about, like, the old guard aging out. Like, you're I – th- I feel like it's going to be so rare to see career players, like, end with the team that they started with. You know what I mean? Like, it's – like, that's yeah. not well, how the business of hockey and, works and, anymore. And it's always weird. Like, I – there was a, a thread on Twitter the other day, like, what are the like the the sports photos that you know you can't get like I can't remember what the verbiage was, but essentially it was like photos of players who are like legends with one team and how weird they look in their jersey with the next team. So there's like Mike Medano on the oh, on yeah. the Red Wings, and there is yeah. um there is like Chris Chelios playing for uh, playing for the Red Wings. It's funny they all end up on the Red Wings. 
Um, but, <laughs> Daniel Alfredson. Uh, yeah, Daniel Alfredson, exactly. Sundin so, in Vancouver. <laughs> oh yeah, that one makes me sick to my stomach. But like, <laughs> and listen, I, I want to make sure that that like, I, I I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm not seeing this specifically to to Lundqvist because like, if you look at the Leafs and Sundin, like Sundin is my favorite player in the world ever. Amen. But at the same time, like if he had the opportunity to go win somewhere else, despite how it would have broken little Chris Killingsworth's heart, um, then then that was probably the right decision if it meant chasing the cup, right? I know yeah. people get like really, you know, pissy about like Ray Bork and stuff when they get their cup and it's like, oh, he left so he could get his cup. Well, yeah, but like if, but if that's cup. what the goal is, <laughs> he got his cup. Yeah. yeah, he got exactly what he wanted, right? And like, yeah. even if you look at a guy like David Savard, who I, I just finished reading the little blurb here about the comment that he made in the news yeah, today about ridiculous. Montreal <laughs> going to go to the cup final and win it. There's another guy who just won his cup, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of one of these like weird situations where like, for me, first ballot hall of famer, like no question in my yeah. mind that he's, yeah. he's in the hall of fame despite not winning. Um. But at the same time, I guess I just, you know, I'm, I'm in my feelings a little bit about whether or not he, he could have had an impact somewhere else, right? So, um, absolutely, he could have, like, it's, but it's, you, you, and I think just to Thomas's point, you don't know what they're, what they're thinking. Like, some of these guys are just lifers, and some of these is, guys, all is, they want is a cup, right? Is Lungfist calling you right now? Because I can hear a vibration <laughs> yeah. on your desk. Oh, no, that was my dad calling me. Oh. He heard you. He probably heard you shit talking David Savard. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna it was like, it was, the wheels. It was a good pickup. We need the experience on the blue line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I know we gotta wind down, guys. Um, but uh thanks for a good episode, boys. I hope yeah. uh hope you guys have a great upcoming week. Uh Thomas, anything exciting going on at Hockey Wilderness that we should be uh letting the fans know about? Um, our top 25 under 25 is still rolling on. Um, I'll be actually editing a post after we hang up, um, uh, to go on today. And yeah, I think other than that, uh, nothing much. We'll stay, try to stay in tune with, uh, Kaprizov signing and all that shit. Um, I do have to say one more thing about quickly, um, big, uh, news in the world is, uh, CM Punk. Um, Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He's back and he's giving everybody ice cream. Yeah. Just see him. <laughs> I, didn't That's all see, I, need to say. I didn't see Owen Power do that. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, CM Punk did you watch, like, did you watch uh, Straight Edge Kegger to celebrate, Chris? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, quick Straight story. Robin and, Robin and I just recently resubscribed to Shudder. Uh, people who know me know I'm a big horror movie buff. And Robin was like trying to find some movies for us to watch last night. She's like, how about this one? And I was like, we're not <laughs> watching this. <laughs> no Straight chance. And then she sent it in the group chat. Yeah, that was funny. What was but, it? Uh, it's it's this, this horror Kegger. movie. I'll send you the trailer. It is just Kegger? dog shit. Oh it's my God, 2016? So no, 2019. No, the movie, the movie came out in 2019, I want to say. Um, <laughs> this is not so just listen- a minor threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i mean <laughs> like if you're if you like have any like even remote understanding of like the hardcore punk scene or like you know straight edge as a lifestyle you're like gonna want to blow your brains out um but like 
here, here's, yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. It's only 80 it minutes me, long. Okay. Maybe yeah. Watch this. Maybe we should uh, like watch the movie on our Patreon account and people can watch it with us. What do you think? <laughs> Don't have a Patreon. <laughs> Maybe not yeah, everyone popular right. will get on Patreon. We'll see our uh, Ew. The appetite. No thanks. I'd rather people just read Hockey Wilderness and listen to the podcast. We'll, we do, a, we'll do a bonus. Uh, yeah, we'll do a bonus watch together or something. That's just record like, while we're like watching the worst thing in. ever. I've with done that with like, like, yeah, it's terrible. It's like, subscribe to our level three Patreon where you get to watch Aladdin, the original, with the boys and, you know, give <laughs> your, like, <laughs> no one gives a shit about that. Like I would stole actually... the fucking bread. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god classic classic dude jafar honestly i've always felt jafar was miscast personally so uh let's and on that note i have to wrap it up okay bye okay all right all right see you carter love you boys see you later love you too buddy uh for everybody else uh who's uh, stuck with us this long remember you can listen to the podcast at Hockey Wilderness, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all of those good places. Um, you know, feel free to rate and review if you'd like. Um, Thomas, anything else before you wrap up? Uh, nothing. No, I'm good. Uh, f- follow the podcast on Twitter, Take Off Hosers. Um, do you have a Twitter account again? Not really. No, okay. just the burners, buddy. You the get, burners you, are. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the burners are, are in a good place. Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, I, I actually think that um, I'll be uh, making an appearance before the hockey season gets going because oh, I got to, sure. you know, be that guy. Well, I think like once I'm actually, you know, back working in the rinks and stuff again, I'll have a little bit more to say on the internet. Yeah, um, do the classic but, uh, uh, taking a picture of the lineup sheet. Do that. Taking shit. a picture of the lineup sheet, uh, taking a photo from like where the scouts sit and be like, mm. feels good to be back in a rink. Oh my God. Gag me with a fork. Um, (laughs) Anyhow. uh, So now that Carter's gone, do you want to talk shit about the the Habs or should we just wrap it up? Uh, We can just wrap it up. We've been too mean to him before. He's he's a sensitive boy. He is a sensitive boy. All right, buddy. Uh, Have a good week. And uh, guys, we'll be back uh, next week for episode 93. The uh, Mitch Marner and the London Knights episode. <laughs> okay, not Jacob Boy. Alright, audio. Where my hometown needs to be. This old world is taking water. Won't be long.